Hello, and welcome to the Development Debrief with Katherine Van Sickle, the stories-based podcast that interviews donors, thought leaders, and professionals in the field of fundraising. Hey listeners, it's Keith from Evertrue. Evertrue is the end-to-end solution for insight, outreach, and analytics for higher ed advancement and stewardship teams around the world. Recently, we launched Evertrue Studios, Advancement's very first media hub, where subscribers have access to over 100 hours of free, on-demand, original series and podcasts, all created with fundraisers in mind. We're thrilled to feature the development debrief on Evertrue Studios Podcast Network. Check us out at evertrue.com backslash studios. Almost a decade ago, I met Karen Osborne at my first ever case conference. Today, I have the privilege of picking her brain on two very important topics, board diversification and stewardship. Karen and I agree that the overall thread we continue to pull in this episode is about being planful with everything you do. Karen believes in the power of philanthropy, generosity, and service. She built her career around these passions not only as a major and principal gifts officer, vice president, speaker, teacher, consultant, and coach, but also as a donor, volunteer, and board member. For 18 of Karen's 44 professional years, she held leadership positions, Director of Major Gifts, Director of Development, and VP for College Advancement at colleges and universities. For the past 26 years, Karen served first as President and now Senior Strategist at the Osborne Group, an international management consulting and training firm. Karen enjoys a rich volunteer life. The Council for the Advancement and Support of Education, CASE, awarded her the Crystal Apple for Outstanding Teaching and Public Speaking and the Ashmore Award for Outstanding Service to the Profession. In addition to volunteering for professional organizations, she serves on the governing board of Easter Seals, Florida. Karen is also a suspense and mystery writer. She wrote Getting It Right in 2017, Tangled Lies in 2021, Reckonings in 2022, and she hosts a weekly video vlog, What Are You Reading? What Are You Writing? showcasing authors and other creatives. Let's get started. Hi, Karen. Welcome to The Debrief. Hi, Catherine. I'm delighted to be here. For those, you know, there are a lot of people who have been on here who are Trinity alums, who are connected to Trinity, so I can't help but share that Karen was the VP at Trinity in the 90s, right? In the, in, yes, in the 90s. It was, it was a great experience. And it was my last job as a frontline fundraiser. I, after that, I started my own company, became a consultant. And we were just talking earlier that you are based in Florida now? Yes, we live in Florida. Bob and I, husband Bob and I, moved about five years ago. So there are so many different things that we could be asking Karen. I think you have expertise in so many different areas, but we decided to zone in on board development and stewardship. I think you and I agree, Karen, that these are both areas that perhaps could be identified as a little bit weak in our industry um, where people are interested and need help. Yes, I would agree with that. The, The big, big universities, they pretty much have this not. But so many of us, if we're in small, smaller colleges, we're in schools, you know, independent schools, or we're in not-for-profits, it gets to be a struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm going to start with a broad question. 
just asking you about the ideal board composition. Of course, this is specific to the institution, but if you could speak about that broadly, how we should be thinking about the composition of our boards, we'll start there. So as you know, really depends on the mission and the vision, especially the vision for the next five years, the vision for the next 10 years, that would tell you what kind of skills you're looking for, what kind of expertise you're looking for, what kinds of connections you're looking for. But past that, there are must-haves. And I think that's one of the things that we miss. Sometimes we let those skills we need or those other attributes need dominate without looking at the must-haves. So for example, must-have, we want to invite people on who are already generous donors. I'm mm-hmm. not saying everyone has to be rich. I'm saying everybody has to be generous, at, you know, at their level, and that they're already engaged. They already love your institution. And sometimes we think, well, okay, well, alumni would be great, and that could be for a not-for-profit as well. Somebody who's benefited from the experience of the organization, and that's true but they have to also believe in philanthropy and the power of philanthropy and the joy of giving. And then of course, there are the other ones, you know, integrity, which I don't think we always test for. And that's why we went up in hot messes, willing to be active, to show up. You know, I hear people say, oh, well, you know, he's so busy. She's, she just started a new company and that's why she can, no, you know, we have to be a priority. Everybody's yeah. busy. Everybody's busy. But to that point, I think I've seen many times people say, oh, let's bring this person on so that we become priority or so that they will be generous. That's a recipe. Big mistake. Earlier, right? Yeah. Big mistake. Yeah. Right. We want to, and this is where the development professionals, the advancement professionals can be so helpful to the board. Mm-hmm. You know, when when uh, CEOs, presidents, head of school, whoever doesn't let the development office be part of the journey, they are limiting the institution's ability to get the best, best people. We're out there making, building relationships. We know these people. We are engaging them and asking them for money and we can give the institution a great list of potential board members but when they keep us at a distance that's when we make a lot of mistakes we have to be at the table in thinking about the board chair's role ultimately how do you define it so first and foremost the board chair is a partner to the ceo ideally those two people see each other respect each other. I don't mean that they think in lockstep, you know, but they see it as a, as a partnership, a transformational partnership, that mm-hmm. they also agree on a vision that a board should be a force multiplier, that mm-hmm. we need that board to help elevate and amplify. And then that their clarity about what our roles are we've talked it through. I remember when my husband and I started a business together and we had a conversation at home that said, what happens when we're mad at each other at work? You know, what happens at home? And what happens at work when we're mad at each other at home? 
And yeah. we talked it all out before any bad thing happened. And our son, who now owns and runs the Osborne Group, you know, when he started working with us, we had to have that conversation too. You know, we're a family, but we're also colleagues. And I think that board chairs and CEOs and advancement, you know, the, the VP of advance, they have to have those conversations. How do you like getting feedback? What do we do when we don't agree? You know, to have that conversation so we can truly be partners. The next thing that uh, I think that is important for the board chair is we're counting on that board chair to make sure that we have a strategically composed board. You also need a board chair who's a really good listener. So we, you know, we're all looking at our organizations and thinking about how we can diversify in all different ways. And one of those really important ways is diversifying our boards. And this is a really difficult assignment. And I just love to hear your thoughts on the best ways to do that. And I know you had mentioned once before that you had seen a way that's not good to do it. Um, but how can our listeners be thinking about recruiting, retaining, and building diverse boards? Yeah. So first of all, it's so good that you are thinking about it. You know, that's a, that's a first step that you're looking around and saying, darn, you know, we are too homogeneous here and, mm -hmm. and we need diversity writ large. We want diversity because we want BioPOC people on our board. We want to have people of different economic abilities. We wanna have people with diverse opinions and ideas. So diversity should be writ large. Unfortunately, most of us only know people that are like us. You know, that, that's who we know. It's, it's, it's human nature that yeah. we surround ourselves with people who look like us and sound like us and agree with us. And, and so that's the challenge. Like, how are we going to find people who are different from us? And I think once again, the advancement, the development team is, the, is, is such a rich uh, source to help us with this because, but our job is to reach out to as many people as possible and to build relationships. And then the second thing is that if we ask the right question, so for example, somebody approached me right after the murder of George Floyd and said, oh, Karen, I, I, I know you, I've seen you. They, they approached me on LinkedIn and said, you know, I was at one of your conferences like a, five years ago and you seem like such a good person. Would you be on our board? And I was, right? I was so insulted. <laughs> I'm making a cringe face right now. You can't see me, but. <laughs> That's what I was reacting to, her cringe yeah. face. <laughs> so, but what would, have, what would have worked there? Here was this person, here I am on LinkedIn and you've been following me mm -hmm. and you opened up with a question instead of an invitation. Look, Karen, we're trying to open up and, and find ways to be more diverse. And I wonder if you'd give me a half hour of your time. I wonder if you would allow me to have a conversation. I noticed that you are living in Florida and I'm in Orlando. I wonder if I could swing by and just ask you some questions. 
you know, if, if you approach, if you just treat people, my son says all the time, treat me as a person, not as an identity. Hmm. And I think that that's a powerful thing to remember that, you know, maybe you read all kinds of statistics about African-American women who are of a certain age and come from New York and, you know, you've got all this research, but I'm not that research, I'm me. And yeah. so it, it's, again, I think our advancement and our development professionals, our alumni professionals can really help us with this. Go ask questions. So that's the first thing, go out, look for people and approach them with questions. How might we do this? What would make this attractive to, to someone like yourself? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and if, the, if you defined myself as not just a black woman, but as a entrepreneur, a former uh, development professional, an author, a podcaster, how could we make it attractive to a now I see, you're seeing me as a whole person and I'm willing to have that conversation with you. Just like it's bad for us to like people just for their money and their contact list. Right. And make people feel that way. It's bad to want people just because of whatever difference you're trying to into the board so or into the What you're describing is relationship building. We need to build relationships with our diverse populations. With, with Hello. Our base. <laughs> this is what we're good at. We know right. how to do this. Exactly. <laughs> and yet it seems so hard. Do you have any insight into why it seems so hard? Because you don't know anybody like you. That's don't right. I've said that before. Yeah. Really? Yeah. If you think about it, so that people's differences feel worrisome mm -hmm. because you've not been exposed. I can remember. Yeah. When I was raising our children, when my husband and I were raising our kids and we would go to different homes, we were the only black people they knew. You know, we would be the only couple there. When people came to our house, they were never the only any. Yeah. Because there was always a diverse group of people in our home and that made us and our children be comfortable with meeting people um, also, our children traveled, so they got comfortable with people who spoke different languages, had different mm -hmm. cultures. So this was intentional, yeah. And it and it's paid off for them. They are comfortable in the world, and mm -hmm. they're raising children who are comfortable in the world. When I ask people, you know, I'm asking your audience, just think about that for a second. Yeah, I don't mean people you know casually. But even that is better than not knowing them at all. <laughs> but yeah. how many, how many people can you say are friends? You know, I had a client ask me once if she could touch my hair. And I looked at her and I said, you know, that's something to ask your black girlfriend. That's who you should ask. Mm -hmm. And then we went on eating our lunch. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. And because that she probably said, I don't have one, right? I mean, she didn't, she didn't answer me. She, we just put our heads down and finished our lunch, mm -hmm. but, but that's, I knew that was the case. So it is, it is great that you have all these different perspectives as a frontline officer, as a consultant, as a donor. Let's talk about that. How has your perspective as a donor informed 
your views around diversity and board management and things like that? It's both the donor and the volunteer because those should be the those should be together. They one and the same, right? Yes. So you, if you are, you know, donors and volunteers. Certainly, all volunteers should be donors, but not all donors are volunteers. But ideally, you've got people working for you. You've got people helping you at every every level, and that colors all of my thinking. What it does is it helps me sympathize. First of all, when development people ask volunteers to go and raise money. That's like, that's a horrible thing to ask me to do. You know, I raised money for 40 years, but as a volunteer asking me to go ask my friends for money sounds horrible to me. Mm -hmm. But what if you asked me to go on a stewardship visit with you and to share with, a, with somebody why this is so wonderful and how much we appreciate you. And this is the impact your gift had. And, oh, I could do that. What if you asked me to invite people over, but not because you're gonna solicit them, because we're gonna have a conversation, we're gonna have a dialogue about what's happening in education today, what's happening in healthcare today, what's wrong with whatever, whatever problem your institution or organization is trying to solve, I do yeah. that. Yeah. So I think we, we approach our donor volunteers in the wrong way. Hmm. You know. The yeah. second thing I don't, I think sometimes when our donor volunteers are close, we don't think that stewardship matters. I think that's you a know, they know. Yeah. They know. They know. Kathy knows we love her. Kathy knows we appreciate her. You know, she's so in the know. We don't have to do anything special to make her feel valued or appreciated or yeah. wrong. <laughs> or it's or almost the it opposite, actually. <laughs> these are your best people these are the yeah. ones who should be the most involved with helping them feel something really wonderful you know it's it's so powerful to say um, thank you Karen you know so this is what we did at Easter Seals I got every I got every member of the governance committee to go visit have a conversation with every member of the board and we gave them a little outline and then the development department gave them the stewardship bullets. Here's what Karen contributed. Here's what the CEO appreciated. Here's what, you know, what they did. So it wasn't all about my money. It was about time and thoughts and energy and all of that. And then, and so each of us had maybe two or three people. Some of us had three, most of us had just two to go and just have this conversation. Not one person didn't do their assignment. Not wow. one. Yeah. Because it was such a pleasure. It was all so simple. It had, here's, here's what we're going to thank them for. Here are the questions to ask. Here's how you wrap it up. And not one didn't send me back their notes. And it was peer to peer. They were sending it back to the head of the governance committee, not back to the head of the development committee. Hmm. Right. So That's we great. were, we felt accountable to each other. I've definitely made that mistake. I'm certain I have just thinking about it now, you know, have people hosting a dinner or even doing a peer to peer solicitation. I don't think I've thanked enough for that. And, and I'm not really sure why 
I, of course you thank someone for an action, but I think to, to say, here's what was so great about it, or here was what, what you created helped us do X, you know, bring X to the next level. The impact. The, yeah. The impact. Like not only did you host a dinner for 18 people, but here's what happened. Exactly. And that's what lifts people. That's what makes people want to do it again. Thank you is what polite people do. So I expect to thank you, you know, I, as just almost a part of the steps of the process. It's a, it's exactly. an assumed thing. It's assumed thing. You only lose points when you don't. Right. But you don't gain points for doing what every polite right. person <laughs> But when you come and see me three months later and say, Karen, I just want to tell you, these so many wonderful outcomes came out of that dinner. I just want to thank you again, because it really made a difference. And even the five people who kind of didn't respond to your notes, I know you sent notes to everybody and we so appreciated you doing that too. Yeah. Although, although I did have a staff member say to me that I should separate um, praise before the next request. They said, Karen, the way you, you give praise to us and the staff, he said, the way you give praise is you say, oh, Catherine, that was so awesome. I love that you did this and this and that, you know, specific, concrete. And then I say, you know what we should do next? And they said, could you like just yes. give us a breather? Can we bask in your glow for a little bit of time? Just a <laughs> day. Just a day. And I think that's true for stewardship. Yeah, I think I'm almost realizing there's short-term stewardship and long-term stewardship too, that it's it's not one and done, that it can evolve, which I've never thought about it that way. So thank you. Yeah. And stewardship to be engaging too. For too long, we thought stewardship was re reports. Or a handwritten or no, thank you note. Or a handwritten thank, which is all lovely. That's mm -hmm. all lovely. Mm -hmm. But that's not what's going to get me to the next level. So what are, if you can kind of think back or maybe it's even current day about what has been meaningful for you as a donor, or if you have some examples of what you think was successful when you were in the fundraiser seat, just so that we can start thinking about new ways to do this. You have to know what's meaningful to your donor. So the only way to do that is to ask, you know, Karen, tell me about the best, best gift you've ever given to any organization, to anybody. I love that. My question. face will light up, right? Yeah. My face will light up. And then how did that organization, that institution help you feel that you had an impact, that you made a difference? Well, what they did, which is a true story, the dean came down to see me I was living in New York and the school was in the Bronx, it was my alma mater, and they came and visited me. And, and the dean personally gave me the stewardship report over lunch and said, I just wanted to tell you, here's all the things that happened after you came. I, I, I'd given a gift in kind, I gave a free workshop and that was a great way to start with me. Right. That was a great, a great opening. You know, would you just do this little thing for us? And then the dean came down and said, you know, this is what we're implementing. This is what we're struggling with. And I wonder if I could talk to you about that. I felt engaged. I felt valued. I felt appreciated. 
know. But when we leave stewardship, and here's the most important thing, and I want to, I don't want us to end without me saying this part. If stewardship is in this department over here, and it's something that we think as gift officers is the last part of a process. So I've solicited and now stewardship is over here and is gonna get taken care of and I'm moving on to my next ask. And when we think about stewardship as being for people who, you know, well, they already made a pledge. I don't have to talk to them. Well, they've already, you know, done name the room and I don't really, you know, we already, you know, we fetted them. So I don't have to talk to them. Instead of thinking these are my best next gifts. Yeah. These are my best next people. And I need to be, and our stewardship people need to be at the table, at the table when we're doing our strategies. How can you help me with that? How can we think about this? Know what I, you know, you asked the best question. You know, how can we know what is going to make this person happy? You know, Karen, what would make you happy? And I think you don't want to ask like, oh, what stewardship would you like? Oh, I, don't need <laughs> I don't need anything. I'm fine. Right, I, that, I, I've heard that a lot. But that's not a good question because we don't want them to say, I don't need anything. So we have to ask other questions that let us then give that donor stewardship. They don't know what stewardship is. Mm-hmm. But if I could show you the impact of your gift, what's the best way for me to demonstrate the impact? So I'm dying to know when that Dean came to visit you and gave you the report and you had that really positive interaction, did they ask you for a gift? Not at the time. Okay. Which was good. Yeah. No, it sounds like that was a pure thank you meeting. People's lives are so busy and to get in front of them is oftentimes the hardest part. And so how can you maximize that FaceTime while accomplishing a variety of different things, whether it is cultivation. And of course, this is our speak, our internal talk, cultivation, closing, stewardship. What do you think about that? So I think that if you have a strategy and you have clear steps, you should never think about this is going to be one and done. Yes, everybody is busy. But if you have engaged me in a way that I'm glad to see you again, that's your goal. Your goal is to end that visit, even if you're going to solicit me just the next week. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and, and if this visit goes really well, that solicitation is going to go really well. Right. Our goal is to end that visit so that I want to have the next conversation. So let's just go back to that because um, they really didn't do it all that well. So we had this wonderful, <laughs> we had this wonderful conversation, feeling great. And then what I what would have been great for that dean to say is that what do you think would be the next step with you know you you were there, you were giving the workshop, you know, what what would be next in that in that evolution? What do you what do you think our faculty need next? What are your what's your advice for me? Mm-hmm. And then I give that. And then if he said, and what's the next best step for you? Because we would love to get you more involved. We'd love to get gotcha. you. What's, what would be the next best step for you? What a great, what a great question. Yeah. You know, well, you know, the thing that I, I'm so grateful to this school for is because I was a first generation college grad 
and and you you saved my life. You guys changed my life, and I feel so grateful for that. And I'd I'd love to find ways to help someone else. Really, we have ways. You know? <laughs> it's when we think if I have to cram everything into this one visit, yeah. we're not trusting our ability as a as a relationship builder to believe that this person is going to carve out time for me again. My husband, he would always say yes to this major gift officer who was assigned to him. I mean, every he would he would move things on his calendar. Aww. And I thought like, huh, because she was young and cute. So I thought, <laughs> huh, what, what is that? So I asked him, why do you never ever say no to her? Mm-hmm. And he said, because it's always important and a good use of my time. Wow. That's our goal. And when I see what she really did, she was mostly just asking him for money and getting him to help her raise money and helping her to, you know, she was doing all the things a good major gift officer would do. But, but the she way came in with a plan. She had a, a framework. That he, and she knew him. Mm-hmm. She knew what to ask him for. She knew how to get keep him engaged. She knew how to get him to feel valued and appreciated. I love that. I love, you know, just it's always productive. It's always a good use of my time. How many of us can say that? But Probably we can. Not many. <laughs> but we can though. You know, if we have, we have the ability, we have the intelligence. We shouldn't feel rushed. And I don't mean that a major gift has to take forever or a leadership annual fund gift has to take forever. It's, it's not that it's that I don't have to feel rushed in this moment. Yeah. I don't, we never want people to feel that way. And yet I think oftentimes that can come across whether it's intended or not. So I think what it really is, is balancing as the fundraiser that push towards your dashboard and your goals, and then also building the relationship and having something moderating the two because. And that's your plan. That's your strategy. Yeah. That's the other thing I don't think we do enough of. We don't do enough strategy development as a team or with colleagues. You know, we rely on our own thinking Mm -hmm. and we do it visit to visit, step to step as opposed to sitting down and thinking, what, what am I going to do with Karen and Bob? What's their journey? Where am I trying to end up? By when? And then how do I engage them? So that at the end, I love it when a donor says, I've never been asked for a major gift because they never felt that way. We know they were. You know, we we know that people don't just wake up. Very rarely do people wake up and say, oh, I'm going to spend money. But if it feels like a, like a journey that we're doing together, if it feels like, you know, we're, we've come to this point, like Karen, you know, one of the things you've told me is how much you want to help other people that had the experience you had. And I've been thinking about the different ways that might work. And can we talk about that? It's a totally different conversation. Yes. Yes. So back back to that strategy. Is that something that you think people should be doing on their own, just sitting down and thinking about this, or should that be done with your manager or with a group? Of course, it depends how big your organization is. But what 
how can people do that if they aren't doing it now? So first of all, you should do it. You should always do it for yourself. What am I trying to do? Do I have the rights lined up, the right purpose, the right amount, the right solicitors, the right time? Do I have my rights lined up? How am I going to get them to be lined up? What is it that is going to inspire Karen? What motivates her? Mm-hmm. And the reason you know what motivates me is because you asked me. Mm-hmm. Right? You said, well, Karen, what's, you know, I know that you're very interested in helping students, but what's the motivation behind that? What's your philanthropic motivation? So we have all the tools. Yeah, we do. So when we think about stewardship in these new ways, which I'm loving all of the examples you've given us, how does DEIB work fit into that? Does it? Are are these things, are these tools that can be used together? Yes. We treat everybody like an individual. We treat everybody fairly. We don't just worry about, we don't just steward money. We steward ideas and time. And if you can say that honestly, then when you're talking to people of differences, they're gonna feel include, you know, because maybe I'm, I'm, you know, maybe I'm thinking that everybody is rich and white and male. Or at least that's all you see. That's all I see. That's what's discussed. But if, but if you, but if you can truthfully say to me, Karen, I can certainly understand why you might feel that way, but let me just tell you about our program, how we treat our donors and why we would love for you. And, and maybe you, you'll see things that you could help us with. You know, you could help us fix, but here's our approach. Our approach is we steward everybody and we talk about impact and outcomes and we steward ideas and volunteerism, not just money, not just mm-hmm. contacts. And the reason I'm talking to you, and then you better have a why. You bet you need a why. <laughs> why are you talking to me? <laughs> and it better not just be because you're black. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it goes back to all the gifts that I can bring. People are complex. So they yeah. there are, there should always be multiple reasons, right? Or multiple angles, multiple questions. Yeah. I have a, um, there was a board member at Trinity who was a, a man of, of, substantial means and he ended up being a wonderful and amazing donor but he started the same year I started and he was self-made and married to beautiful woman and he had everything you know he had all these things and he said to me Karen if I ask you a question and he didn't know me well at all because we both just started mm-hmm. and he said can I ask you a question which you can tell me the truth and I said of course and he said did Trinity only ask me to be on the board because I'm rich. Here was somebody who was self-made and successful and he was worried about why his alma mater cared. And at that moment, I was so fortunate because I knew lots of things. So I said, I said, of course, I said, of course, one of the reasons because we know we have so few alumni who are as generous and able as you but no that's not the only reason this is what you bring and I ticked off all of the non-money things because I had 
prepared for the visit. I didn't know he'd ask me that question, but yeah. I knew who he was. And I ticked them all off. And he said, thank you, thank you, thank you for that. And he ended up being an incredible, incredible board member and donor. What if I'd screwed that up? Kind of like how I believe, and I'm sure you agree with me, that someone should never be surprised at the ask. It's sort of a similar thing of they should know the reasons. They should know what maybe you're not going to tell them, hi, great to meet you. Here's my strategy with you. But <laughs> there should be this holistic relationship that's built. I've had I've had many people ask me, why did you reach out to me for a visit? Exactly. Or how did I get on your list? Exactly. Exactly. And the weakest answer is, well, I'm new and I just wanted to come and see you. That's such a weak answer, you know, yeah. or, you know, we're just trying to get to know everybody. You need a why. Mm -hmm. You need an answer of the why that's going to say to me that you're not, that this is going to be productive and a good use of my time. You're, you're, you're an entrepreneur, you're a woman, you're from this part of the state, that's my territory that I cover, and I could just really use your advice and help. Well, I would love to close with my signature question, Karen, which is, what do you know for sure? What I truly know for sure is that philanthropy is a positive force in this world. There is a joy, an amazing, amazing joy in giving and giving time and money and energy. And there's an amazing joy on being the person on the staff that makes that happen. So this is what I know for sure. Philanthropy is joy. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for tuning into this important episode. If you have any questions or like to connect, please do on LinkedIn or follow us at devdebrief on Instagram. You can also check out the website www.devdebrief.com. I hope this episode was helpful for you and that you have a great week ahead.